Women should not be an afterthought in an Aliens game. In fact, women should not be an afterthought in most games. Welcome to Game on Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. And today, Rhonda and I are going to talk about an article by Carolyn Pettit, editor of GameSpot, a UK online publication. Uh, Last week, uh, she put out an article called Fear of a Woman Warrior, and it talks about the sort of controversy and late addition of female warriors into the Aliens game that's about to come out. Uh, So we want to talk a little bit about her observations about women characters in games and uh, a little bit about women in the game industry. At least she touches a little bit on that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're also going to remind our listeners about Tabletop Day coming up on March 30th. Also, make sure to check out Mandate Mondays from March 4th, 2013, because Rhonda and I made a guest appearance on this live video video yeah podcast uh which was a really fun and exciting experience yeah it was a blast um it was i i now know how some of our guests feel when they (laughs) they say that they're intimidated um it's it's surprisingly wonderful to hide behind the microphone and not (laughs) videotaped (laughs) yeah i actually had the thought of oh we're recording in video that means i have to put makeup on before we record tonight right (laughs) Yeah, but it was it was super fun. We talked to um, Black Glove, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and um, was it Falcon? Falcon, yeah, Falcon yeah. in 1974, who are both um, Call of Duty commentators who record their gameplay and then do commentary on on their their gameplay and in the the Call of Duty community. And they found Game on Girl actually through our PAX East um, information, and then posted um, uh, like responded to me and talked to me on Twitter a little bit. And then we had a couple of conversations and then asked us to be on the show. So it was really kind of fantastic. And um, yeah. the Black Glove is actually going to be at PAX East. So he's going to be oh, coming yeah. to our panel. So we're looking forward to seeing him then. Yeah, it was it was a fun episode. Um, I think it they do a variety of things. We didn't play any games. We didn't talk much about Call of Duty, which they kind of felt was a little refreshing. So go out there and check out what kind of questions they had for us and uh, see our faces with our mouths moving. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, faces and voices. Uh, So check out Mandate Mondays on uh, YouTube channel Falcon, F-A-L-K-E-N 1974A. And we'll also have links to that up on the site. And PAX East, which is coming up very, very quickly, starting on March 22nd. So stay tuned and thanks for listening to Game on Girl. Well, in episode 49, we discussed an interview with the Electronic Arts Executive VP and Chief Talent Officer Gabrielle Toledano. She said that sexism in the game industry workplace is really no different than any other industry. Well, today we're going to discuss sexism in game character design. Regina sent me an article by the GameSpot UK editor, Carolyn Pettit, called Fear of the Woman Warrior. And what she says is the game industry is afraid of strong female heroes in games. Now, her example was the release of the game Aliens Colonial Marines. And usually I kind of bluster at these articles. I feel like that they're overblown and, you know, people being sensitive. 
But her example held some weight. Supposedly, the gang came with female characters only as a last-minute requested feature and not part of the original design. Now, since women play a prominent role in the movie Aliens, and the designers apparently are big fans of the movie, it makes me wonder, especially the argument she's making in her article, is the game Aliens Colonial Marines endemic of the lack of uh, lead female characters in games, or is this an isolated case? Well, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those questions where you know the chicken or the egg, uh, which is sort of which came first and which is sort of feeding on it. Um, what what is important though to think about? It's unfortunate that adding female characters into a game that's based on a movie series that has, you know, one of sort of our iconic female action heroes that was on your list of your favorite female ass kickers from several episodes ago uh ripley um who one of the one of the best things about ripley is the fact that she is an absolute equal in that movie she doesn't dress in some sort of scantily clad female warrior outfit she you know she doesn't end up in ripped up clothes that are cleavage bearing you know she's really just fighting and you and she's a woman and she's a woman and and you know you have soft moments and you she has femininity and she has you know everything that a a classic female hero should have. So it's really sad that we have that as the legacy that many of us have from watching and experiencing that movie as something that doesn't get added into the game extension of it. It's like, oh, oh, this is an afterthought. Oh, geez, we really need to put female characters in this movie, in this game, really? (laughs) Yeah, well, and Ripley's not the only one. No, exactly. I mean, Ripley is the survivor she Mm -hmm. saves the day right but there are a total of three female marines Mm -hmm. and then there's newt right right i mean for heaven's sake (laughs) i mean all these women i mean of the entire colony of people a female survived Mm -hmm. a female girl a a little girl and so yeah it just seems kind of interesting to me yeah and it does bring up this question of you know where what in the process makes it so that they sort of skip over female characters, you know, and, and we've talked about this in other games and we've talked about it in other places that we've had conversations with other gamers on other podcasts and other shows that we've been on. We've talked about this as well. Uh, you know, what what is it that makes it so hard to think about including a female avatar in in a military setting and why are they why are they removed from from that setting in particular well and yeah that and that's what pettit tries to explore in the article right and she pulls in a couple of quotes and one of them is by chris perna and he is the art director of epic games and he says if you look at what sells it's tough to justify a female Gears of War protagonist. This quote just doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense to me either, especially if you look at the, you know, the statistics of how, you know, the, there's a growing population of female gamers. Um, yes, it, you know, a lot of games are traditionally, a lot of war games are traditionally um, have male characters that most military games have male playable characters the characters that that people are playing are male and they have been successful and so yes if we look at what's out there you can say the majority of these games are successful and they have male 
protagonists. Well, you know, that means that women gamers are playing those those characters and that's, you know, that's okay. But it doesn't mean that you can't justify having a female there's there's no connection between those two things that this uh, well there's no data exactly there's there's nothing to support this as as the idea of there's no justification for this there's just nothing yeah, I mean to say if there were it. if there were a Gears of War game with a female protagonist that had and it had crappy sales yeah. <laughs> then the the statement would make sense exactly. If you could look back at statistics and say, and and that's what, another thing that Pettit brings up in the article, she talks about, uh, you know, Lara Croft, hello, as, you know, yeah. female, you know, protagonist that has been, you know, a long-standing history of of game sales, and you know, several other sort of long-standing female characters that we've had to play. Um, so so it really. It makes me wonder what the justification is for this kind of idea. Why would somebody be so so willing and so easy to say we can't really justify this? Yeah, and like I said, at the beginning of the article, I, I, I really felt like that Pettit was making a really good point. Mm-hmm. And if you sit down and look at it, sure enough, like you're saying, the, the war games, the battlefield-type games, and actually the majority of a lot of games you're talking about um, uncharted and infamous and i mean you could go on and on it's it's almost like the protagonist is it's not even thought about it's just the default you know yeah it's a default for them because the idea and the reason why we're doing the podcast and the reason why i did my research is because i don't think the default for gamers should be male for for protagonist in game or for player either so so it's you know, and I've said it before. It's time for it's time for an ideological shift. We <laughs> we need to start thinking about gamers as a broader term and a more inclusive term, and that that needs to start. The game industry needs to start recognizing that as well. Yeah. Well, Pettit brings up a really good subject in the article, although she completely loses me about halfway through it because based on this uh, on one quote, um, it seems to me like that what she concludes is that developers and creators are number one they're afraid to create female protagonist i'm not quite sure why they're afraid but they apparently are are afraid of the complexity or they just they don't know how and so they fall apart and say well i don't know how to do it so um and she also assumes that they only create women to be supporting characters or something just to be drooled over. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing from these quotes seem to support that. And it's interesting because the quote she does use to support her idea, I think she completely uh, misinterprets. Okay. Um, she's got a quote from uh, Game Sutra where they interviewed Ryan Crichton, who's a designer of Spellerium, mm-hmm. and he confessed that the his games dominated by white male characters, and he explains why. Quote, for fear of someone calling me out for my non-white, non-male character being stereotypical, offensive, or at the absolute worst, outright racist or sexist. Well, I think it's a really interesting and a really powerful quote. Um, and I, yeah. I, I admire Crichton for having put himself on the line to, to put that in words and actually say it. I think it's a fallout of our politically correct, the politically correct movement (laughs) where, you know, authenticity can only come from people who have 
that authentic experience because essentially what he's saying in this is i can't write a female character or people not that he can't write a female character he's not saying that he can't write a female character or an effective or an authentic female character what he's saying is that he's afraid of the judgment he might get from those groups if he were to write a character in that and that's just plain sad because how many you know male authors write fantastic female characters that are well-rounded and are you know great uh characters and really sort of insightful you know characters you can't you can't really say you can't write this because you don't know it. You you need to be careful. I mean, everybody needs to be careful. And these the fact that he's aware of that probably means yeah. that he would be fantastic at writing a female character or a minority character or something. Yeah. You know, because he's going to be taking it on with that perspective to, you know, to avoid the stereotypes, to make well-rounded characters, et cetera, et cetera, the kinds of things that we want. So if by any chance he happened to hear this, go forth and create. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please write dynamic characters if you want some feedback from some female gamers or who can give you some life experience you might be able to build on give us a call we'd be glad to yeah. <laughs> give you some uh, some data to work with on that yeah I agree with you I think that I think Crichton is extremely aware mm-hmm. of uh, the market and of the sensitivity the level of sensitivity that needs to be there right uh, this is not a, a company line it doesn't sound like to me but it it just kind of proves my point that articles like Patet's is it's off base and it's what scares these guys. Well, she's she's asking the right questions. And, oh, yeah. And she yeah. starts in the right direction, which which is great. Um, and, and I'm not sure. I, I think she, the, the fear, I think she took it in the wrong direction because I don't think it's yeah. the game designers fearing the creation of the characters. I think a lot of it is the industry fearing the failure of a game. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that we need to continue to keep in mind is that the game industry is still a, a smaller, younger industry, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not as established as, as novels or print publication, um, or any of the other things that we more, you know, TV or movies that, you know, have a longer history going. So they have a lot more that they can, they can rely on in terms of looking at what's successful and why. And I, I think that, the fear more, I think, is in the games not being successful or not re- mm-hmm. reaching their target mar- audience the way that they want them to. And that's where I think yeah. she really kind of kind of veered off on that and sort of blaming the creators of the games instead of maybe looking at it in a broader perspective of the industry as a whole is more concerned with wanting to make money with what they're producing and not being, you know, overly criticized for the choices that they're making. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't like it when someone immediately immediately jumps to the idea that it, it must be a sexist thing mm-hmm. that the guys are um, or girls, I mean, w- whichever, but the, the, their choices are consciously uh, sexist. Right. Because right. she says something at the end about, you know, it's time for them to abandon their antiquated notions and about women. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> this is the reason why these guys don't want to branch out and create these women characters. Right. Well, you know? and I think part of what, what she sort of starts to mention but doesn't delve into here is that idea of, you know, how offended many women gamers can get with the characterizations that are in-game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I that game. One of the games she mentions is Lollipop Chainsaw with the um, Juliet as the, the you know protagonist in that game, and you know clearly designed to be the hypersexualized, you know, scantily clad uh, male fantasy. Period. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all that she was meant to be, and. And that's okay. You know, many of us can look at that icon and go, well, this is clearly where this was going to. There's there's a difference between that and creating games that have, you know, well-rounded, well-represented female characters or even just the option to play a female avatar in in a game. You know, there, there shouldn't, I'm sorry, and this might be my whole bias, but Really, if you have a character creation, if you're not playing a set character, like you go into Alan Wake and you play Alan Wake, fine. You play a male protagonist yeah. in that. That's what that game is about. But if you have an option to play a character, there should be no game that comes out on the market that doesn't have an option for a female avatar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we're doing... Not we, anymore. We should just be past that. Like the quote that I read at the beginning of the episode, women shouldn't be an afterthought. In fact, women should not be an afterthought in most games. They, you know, it just shouldn't be. You shouldn't come to a character creator screen and not have the option to put boobs on your avatar. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I've got a solution. I think that the, one of the apps I've got on my phone is a decision maker. And I think that you write the entire game and write the, you know, the characters and whatever actions they're going to do. And then at the end, you shake that puppy and decide, oh, that character's male. <laughs> and that character's African-American. Ah, that character's Russian. Sure. And I think that's the way the decisions should be made. I don't think they'll see any difference. Right. <laughs> right. Because if what we're trying to do, if what if what the basis of all media, games, um, novels, TV shows, you know, movies are all doing the same thing, they're trying to communicate part of the human experience. And yes. the basis of it comes down to we're not as different as everybody wants us to make out like we are. You know, th- there isn't that much difference between people. Um, this is totally tangential, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, because I think it's kind of an interesting point to bring here. I was watching an episode of um, How I Met Your Mother in my office the other day um, on taking a break before I had my evening class. And the janitor came in and he saw what I was watching and he commented that he really loved that show and he really loved Neil Patrick Harris's character. And I was like, oh, me too. You know, I've always loved him. I loved him when he was Doogie Howser and I think he's great now. And he's like, yeah, I'm really sad, that, you know, to, though, that he's gay. And I was like, hmm okay, why? And he's like, well, because, you know, you know, here he plays this, you know, totally straight guy who's so awesome on the show, but that's not really who he is. And I'm like, well, all that does, I know, right? <laughs> I was like, well, he is an actor, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, is all that should tell you is that the things that you think make people different don't really make them that different. Yeah. Really? It, it's in your mind, it's this big thing, but in reality, it's not. Sadly, I haven't seen that janitor since I said that. So, <laughs> avoiding my office now, but <laughs> really and truly, if you know, the, the human experience is very similar. We do want to often point out what makes us individuals, which is why, you know, we love calling ourselves gamers because it differentiates us from the masses. But the truth is that human experience is very similar. You know, that's just that's just the truth of it. Mm-hmm. And and that we shouldn't be thinking that these things are going to make such sort of monumental changes in how people experience things. Yeah. And I, 
I'm glad you mentioned the the idea of representing the human experience because what I've been noticing a lot lately, and I couldn't even begin to tell you because I just I watch a series of action and adventure and horror films and stuff, and um, through the week I love television and movie media. How to me it supported again and again how the man and the woman are pivotal in an adventure or in a journey Mm -hmm. and how they have these equal roles and mostly what i what i saw that represented in is how dramatically the situation is intensified or um it's just raised up a notch it's given more value or more importance when the woman gets involved right right when they're both there all of a sudden all the decisions the man makes, all of the actions that he takes change. Mm -hmm. And the same way happens with her. I mean, it goes back and forth. And to me, it's just an amazing pairing about what happens with, with uh, multiple characters involved in the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's the same sort of thing when you're, when you're playing a role-playing game, an RPG of any kind, and you pick up your, you know, your crew that you're running with or your five people that make your, you know, your group that you're you're playing with. It's the same sort of thing. You know, your whole dynamic changes when, when you start out in Dragon Age and you're just starting out on your own and then you pick up your first companion, then all of a sudden the whole game changes for you because yeah. you have that interaction and it's interaction that defines who we are and what we do and how we do what we do. Well, I have to I have to go back and give Pettit some kudos because to me the the most important statement she made in the article was if you make a great game that has broad appeal and it's properly marketed, people will buy it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean that I mean, how many times have we talked about, you know, what do you like about a game? And it's like, well, if it has a male protagonist, we never hear that. Right, exactly. It's got good story <laughs> or has good gameplay. Exactly, exactly. And That's- when and you when you get the holy trinity, when you get good story good gameplay and great artwork and music together, that's when you have a bestseller. And it doesn't have anything to do with what the gender of the protagonist is because probably most of the time people don't care as much as we think that they might. I mean, you know, I've had experiences where I don't like playing male avatars. You know, many female gamers have. And, you know, that was borne out through the research. We've seen that in the people who we've interviewed on the show. Lots of women like the option to be able to play it. But like I said... If it has a character creator and you have an option to play, you know, to make that character, there should, it just shouldn't even be a question anymore. There should always be a female character you can play. And again, I mean, if the gameplay is good, like uh, a Batman Arkham Asylum, Mm -hmm. oh my God, what a great game. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just absolutely a fantastic game. Right. And like you said earlier, I mean, it has to be Batman. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. But anyway. Well, how do you guys feel about lead characters of the game being a woman? Or if it's an awesome game, would it affect your purchase decision one way or the other? Um, be sure and let us know what you think about the topic. You can leave any comments through GameOnGirl.com and the uh, other links that we've got on that site. And stay tuned for some exciting announcements for some Game On Girl personal appearances coming up. <laughs> So my 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 fellow gamers, we have PAX East creeping up on us at a very well. It's not creeping, is it, Rhonda? No, not for us. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, also, it's not for us. <laughs> it's not creeping at all. It's speeding toward us the at light speed. Uh, PAX East is March 22nd through March 24th in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Beantown. Rhonda and I will be presenting a panel, What's Your Gamer Type, on Friday night at 5.30 in the Sphinx Theater. Now, this theater holds 400 people, and I would really love it if all of the people who are going to PAX East who listen to the show can manage to come to the to the panel because we'd really love to meet you guys and really love to oh, see yeah. you guys. And for those of you who don't know, it will actually be the first time that Ron and I will meet face to face. Paxis is going to mark the first time that we actually yep. get to like see each other in person. So it's going to be a pretty significant event for for Game On Girl. <laughs> and it's going to be pretty fun too. I mean, the, the we've, we've got a lot of preparation to do and we've got a lot of things we're putting together, but we're really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. We have a a lot of fun stuff and a lot of interactive stuff going on. Unfortunately, registration is closed. Um, you know, the, the the badges sold out for the three-day badges sold out, I don't know, in a matter of hours when they opened it, as it always does with packs. And the daily passes are also sold out at this point. Um, but so for those of you who do have registration are going to be there, please come please come and say hi. And Rhonda and I are going to be hanging out um, at the at the con for the rest of the weekend as well. And there's, oh, yeah. there's a Gearbox um, panel on Sunday at 1230. So Woo-hoo. definitely going to have to go to that one. Uh, and if you see anyone with Game On Girl gear, you'll get some free swag because I've got some pretty cool stuff that I'm going to be toting out with me. So um, yeah. make sure to come by and and make sure to, to make yourself known. I'll probably have my, I usually wear a backpack to the cons and I have my, my stuffed bear that has the GG logo usually on the back of my backpack. So if you see someone with a backpack um, with a GG bear on it, then you know that that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can still go to Cafe Press and get some uh, Game on Girl gear. Yeah, so exactly. We've got lots of stuff available for people to to swag up as well. Um, the other thing that's coming up March 30th is Tabletop Day. And if you haven't heard of it already, uh, the YouTube channel Geek and Sundry is uh, supporting Tabletop, one of their shows with Will Wheaton, for uh, a Tabletop Game Day official March 30th, the very first annual game day. The very first annual go to your local game shop game day. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, plan an event at your home or get some people together at, you know, local library meeting room or a restaurant or whatever. But it's just all about getting together with friends and family and playing tabletop. Yeah. Getting out and, and gaming. That's, that's the big thing. And, and they do take, they have private events that you can do. Like if you're doing something at your house, you can schedule that. Um, they also have public events. So if anybody who's got a local game store that they go to, or like Rhonda said, a restaurant or someplace else, they want to get a bunch of people together to game make sure to go and register on tabletopday.com uh yeah regina have you made any plans are you doing anything that day i have actually made some plans i'm going to be helping organize um the entire game day at a local game store in portland oregon called cloud cap games you can check out oh my god yeah it's a really great place it's a it's a um in the selwood neighborhood of portland and it's a really great um, store. They've got great staff. James is the owner, and I talked with him this past weekend. And I spent several hours gaming there on um, Saturday. 
and got, got to play Seven Wonders for the first time, uh, which is a really great game. If you haven't played Seven Wonders, you should check it out. Uh, Cloudcap is fantastic because they have games you can rent. You can you can get an account with them and you can rent a game for five dollars and you oh, get wow. it. You get the game for three days, so you have three days uh, to play it for five dollars. And if you come back in and you decide to buy that game after you've rented it, they'll take that five dollars off your purchase price. Oh, nice! So it's a really nice setup. They also have a bunch of demo games out. Uh, so we demoed. Um, Dominion with some friends who had never played Dominion and, play, and played that. So we had a really great time hanging out there uh, Saturday afternoon. So if you're Portland or, you know, Portland area person, definitely make sure to check out CloudCap. Um, I'm going to be there on March 30th, probably most of the day. Uh, right now we're looking for suggestions as to what people want to play. Um, we're thinking about doing um, like a tournament of some kind so like a short game to Ooh, see that'd be fun. see we can get like people to come in and play really short games really quick games like um maybe timeline or some other games that people can play really quickly and see if we can get like best scores going and then have some prizes that we'll be giving away there as well so definitely check that out keep an eye on um, i'll have some information up on the website as we get closer to the day uh right now you can link to tabletop day on on game on girl we've got the information yeah. to get you to that website um up there as well and if you haven't, and we've said it before, and I will continue to say it again, please go subscribe to Geek and Sundry because uh, they're coming up on their on their renewal for their contract. And depending on how many people they have subscribed to the site, will or to the channel, will determine whether or not we get to have another season of Tabletop. And if you haven't watched Tabletop, it's so much fun. You really need to go check it out and yeah. uh, support Geek and Sundry. So. So are you going to take Garden Dice to the gaming day? I plan to, yes. I'm going to take oh, Garden Dice for that and uh, and make sure to get people introduced to that. I actually had it on Saturday, but we didn't get a chance to play it because we got all distracted by Seven Wonders because it was one of those games that James was like, you guys haven't played this? What do you mean you haven't played this? <laughs> so we ended up uh, playing two rounds of that instead. <laughs> Well, that's what's so great is there's always a new game to play. Yes, and we thought we were going to play Last Will as well, which is um, my current addiction is Last Will, which if you remember the 80s movies, Brewster's Millions, it's uh -huh. it's the board game that is that movie. So, so essentially oh, okay. you have to go bankrupt before the end of the game. And, oh, and oh, yeah, yeah, okay. whoever goes the most bankrupt wins. And so <laughs> it's really fun. It's really fun. And I managed to go out in four turns the other day and have, I was like, 20, wow. I was like $21 in debt. And so you start out with like $70. So I was like $21 in debt at that point in four turns. So I was like, that's my mastery right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to, my listeners may not know, I am on location for a new job. And it's a temporary, I do contract work. And so basically I'm in a city where I know absolutely no one. I'm not near my gaming group or my gaming friends. But I did find that there are uh, three game stores in a nearby city. They're probably 15 minutes away, which is really cool. Awesome. So as soon as I can, between now and the 30th, I'm going to go visit them and see if anybody's going to be playing games in the stores. And I bet they will. I bet they will be, too. I have a feeling this is going to be a really big thing just yeah. everywhere. So we would love to hear from you guys what you're doing. If you've got some plans, please let us know on oh, the yeah. site. And we'd love to help you guys promote your events as well, wherever you are, because we have, a, you know, we have followers all over. So we'd love to hear what everybody's doing. So please let us know what you're going to be up to on March 30th for international international tabletop yep. day we always love to hear from you guys 
You've been listening to Game on Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M, that's Row Room. You can read my tech blog at droolonthefrog.com. My email is Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. Dot com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter. We'll have the link to uh, Carolyn Pettit's uh, article, Fear of a Woman Warrior, on GameSpot up on the site, so you can check it out. We'd love to hear what you guys had to say about the article um, and you know what you think about playing or not playing female avatars. Game on Girl is now part of the Radio Fubar Network at RadioFubar.com. We're also available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on. Game on.